Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. And today we are live on YouTube on transfer deadline day. The deadline has not yet passed. I think we have a few hours left, but we have a pretty good idea of how things are shaping up. So we're going to reflect on how today has gone, how the summer has gone, and we'll even do a little bit of a special at the end. Who's won the transfer window? There's some special guests that we'll get into later on as well. But for now, I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, whose phone is going to be popping off, no doubt, uh, even as we record this. Uh, Harry Simeon from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and 90 Min's YouTube channel. And 90 Min, head of UK content, Toby Cudworth. You've got your usual lot on the Talking Transfers pod here. Uh, we'll also be joined later by Daniel Child, son of Chelsea, who you might have seen on our YouTube channel in the last few days. And also Julian Laurent from ESPN as well. Uh, later in the show, but uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Who should I come to first? Harry, how, how are you feeling at the moment? Because you've had a busy one today and it looks like Arsenal might be doing some business too. Yeah, I started to make peace with the idea of Arsenal not getting anybody else in maybe about a week, 10 days ago. And then, of course, we've been rocked by some uh, injury news in the midfield. Not just one, not just two, but three options for that deep-lying midfield position all out at the moment, which is a big problem. And so Arsenal, you feel, have been forced back into the market. Um, reports are kind of doing the rounds this morning that Arsenal were, were big on Douglas Luiz, that this could happen. Um, the latest we're hearing at the moment, and Graham might know more, is that uh, personal terms are not expected to be an issue. But of course, uh, there is an issue between the two clubs at the moment in terms of finding a fee. So I'm sitting here anxiously now and a little bit nervously when I probably wouldn't have expected that maybe five, seven days ago. But um, yeah, it's been a busy day and I can't wait till the window's over and we can just focus on the football and what we have because it can get a bit much towards the end, I always find. Are you looking forward to the end of the window, Graham? Yes, indeed. It's been a, it's been a long few weeks, 2022, but hey, we'll be talking about January before we know it in terms of setting themselves up. I've heard some teams already teeing themselves up uh, for January deals, so it never stops yet. Be, the, the pace might be a little bit less frantic, shall we say. Yeah. We need a bit of a slowdown, don't we? But there's actually matches on tonight as well. Man United play Leicester. Uh, we're recording ahead of that game, and then there's a full calendar at the weekend as well. Man United play Arsenal, Harry. How exciting. Uh, Toby, how are you doing today? Because West Ham is a transfer circus again. Yeah, there's a lot going on today. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be positive news for West Ham, depending on what it is that you wanted. But lots going on. Um, I've been manning the live blog on the on the site today, as well as doing many other things. And yeah, as Graham said, I think we're all looking forward to the window closing so that we can have a brief break. But it will be brief because I think we know in a couple of days' time. We'll be hearing about the deals that, that didn't go through. And then January, as we all know, the rumours will start now. So, um, yeah, bring on the weekend football, eh? 
bring on the weekend football. I've got United to look forward to tonight. Uh, we'll talk today about some big transfers that have been confirmed. We're going to focus on the big clubs because there's just way too much going on to fit everything into one hour and one show. Uh, the big names and the big moves could be the likes of Arthur to Liverpool. Man City have confirmed the signing of Manuel Akanji. Uh, Bernardo Silva is staying. We'll talk Chelsea with Dan very soon. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, former Arsenal player, likely on his way to Chelsea. Uh, some other business in tow as well for them. We'll talk Douglas Louise and Arsenal a bit later with Harry. We'll reflect in the irons in the fire. Kill me with that, man. Uh, irons in the fire section, the West Ham transfer section later in the show with Toby. We'll talk Man United signing Anthony for 100 million euros all in. Uh, Martin Dubravka we're expecting to be confirmed as well and then we'll bring in Jules towards the end of the show for some uh, we'll talk a bit of PSG and talk about players who are arriving from Ligue 1 into the Premier League and we'll also dig in to who's won the transfer window at least now as it looks uh, later in the show to finish it off but let's start with let's start with Liverpool actually because Graham we revealed on this show I believe it was last week that Liverpool were looking into bringing in a central midfielder before the transfer deadline hit. And just so it happens, they've moved for Arthur from Juventus. Deal on loan until the end of the season. Uh, this one we're expecting to get done, obviously, if you're uh, listening after the window's closed. This one is probably done. But what's the thinking there, Graham? Yeah, fair play to you, Scott. You you bumped that up. I wouldn't know last week. I didn't see it as a as a mass thing. I I wasn't even believing my own copy. Really, obviously, I suggested <laughs> uh, my own sources. We did the story that they were looking around, looking for good players. Um, Conrad Lima, Ruben Neves, too high of a list. Um, and separate out, we we did do stuff about Arthur being offered around. But yeah, it, it's clearly a numbers operation at the minute, and and one with experience. There's a lot of these types of players, isn't there? Who 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 Klopp obviously thinks he can get a tune out of a lot of a lot of people like Arthur. He's clearly skillful. He's clearly a wonderful footballer, but he's just dropped off the radar. When he turned up at Barcelona, he looked like an absolute world beater, didn't he? And since then, it just hasn't gone right for him. So yeah, obviously there's Thiago been involved, his people recommending him, uh, and yeah, it's it is a stopgap. It reminds me, as I said to you guys, of the Sol signing for Chelsea. It's a bit of a no-lose for Liverpool. You know, he comes in. I don't think anyone's expecting it, really, to be a huge success. It is a body. If he comes in and is wonderful, then great. It's a, it's an added bonus, I think. I don't think anyone's expecting him to start a lot of games for Liverpool. But, yeah, I think it's it's one of them. It's a sensible signing. I think it is a bit... It's highlighted a little bit by Liverpool's indifferent start to the season. I think if it's still done this and they're still going really well unbeaten, like... Harry's Arsenal, I think it would have gone under the radar a bit, but unfortunately the start they've had, hmm, I think some Liverpool fans would like to have seen a bit more of an impact signing, um, like like a Nevis or a Lima, who are still both available. Yeah, uh, this one is a strict loan deal, I believe. Uh, so it just shows that Liverpool are just it's a kind of a stopgap. We had a comment before we started in the live chat on YouTube. Uh, 90 min football you can find us there if you're not subscribed already please go over and do so uh, Dusek said hope everyone's ready for mellow ball on Saturday crying emoji I'm in agony lads uh, Toby this one is a bit I tweeted about it a few times and obviously Liverpool fans are making a lot of we need a midfielder we need a midfielder if you look at their list of their squad list they have nine midfielders and yeah, I know said... a lot of them are injured but you know there's yeah. a lot of clamour for this. 
You said that to me this morning, they've got a lot of midfielders, but just looking at it on the surface, they don't have Jordan Henderson, Thiago, Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, all injured at the moment. James Milner's 36, Curtis Jones has struggled with injury issues as well, and that's left Fabinho, Harvey Elliott and one other. Um, so I can see why Liverpool want to try and get something done. And I had a quick look before we jumped on the pod to see how many games Liverpool have got pre-World Cup. And it's 18. That's quite a lot. And I think Jurgen Klopp is probably looking at this thinking they haven't had the greatest start to the season. They can't afford to lose any more ground this side of the World Cup. And they've got a lot of games coming up. And if the injuries aren't sorting themselves out, which it doesn't look like they are, Arthur presents himself as a short-term option who's clearly got a bit of quality, as Graham alludes to. You don't play for Barcelona and Juventus unless you've got something about you. And it could just be he needs a change of scenery. Um, So I know it's probably not the signing that Liverpool supporters would want them to make, given what's happened to Arthur, but I do get it. And look, if there's no option to buy and it's just a straight loan deal, if it doesn't work out, it just turns into Liverpool's equivalent of Sal Naguez um, against Chelsea last year and they just cut ties and move on. Yeah, uh, weird one for Liverpool, a little bit out of character, but, you know, does a job for them for a little while. And uh, we all know and we've reported, I believe, I think Liverpool, the one that Liverpool fans really want is Jude Bellingham. That's not happening this summer. Uh, I'm sure, Graham, that uh, <laughs> from the next few weeks, uh, that one's going to pick up and gather a lot of steam uh, as we move forward. Oh, yeah, Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice. Two names we're going to be talking a lot about in the next 12 months, unfortunately for Toby. <laughs> uh, Harry, is this a bit desperate from Liverpool or are you uh, are you on board with this one? It's a surprising one um, because from what I know about Artur, and admittedly I've watched a lot more of him at Juve than I did at Barca. And, and from what people tell me, he was much better at Barca. So maybe, you know, my opinion is a little bit biased in that sense. But... I don't really see how he fits in with the Klopp style. Um, he is more of a Thiago than a kind of Henderson or Milner in terms of the way he sort of approaches the game and his, his sort of ability to close down and press, I don't think is something that you would necessarily say is one of his strengths. But Liverpool are desperate. They need bodies. Um, you say, is it desperate? Liverpool are desperate, you know, to bring in midfield reinforcements at this stage. And he's experienced enough to to come in and add something to the squad. I'm not going to say it's a bad signing, but I think Liverpool fans might have expected something a little bit more, um, a little bit more for the long term rather than this kind of stopgap signing, which Arta Mello clearly is. Just to just to play devil's advocate and uh, poke the bear a little bit for a club that's been praised for their transfer policy and buying players who are fit all the time over the last few years to have nine midfielders on your books and to have half of them injured all the time and two young 19-year-old kids uh, placed expectation on them. They're playing quite well, to be fair to them. Harvey Elliott and uh, Fabio Carvalho doing a job. But, uh, you know, maybe expect better from Liverpool. Uh, Moving on. (laughs) I had to get that little dig in there. Uh, That win last night over Newcastle was quite important for them as well. Uh, Manuel Akanji to Manchester City. Uh, Just on Arthur, by the way. We are expecting that one to get done. Uh, No issues there. Uh, Manuel Akanji to Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund was confirmed on the morning of transfer deadline day. Uh, and Bernardo Silva is staying. 
Graham, do you have an idea why City have moved for this player now? Because was this always on the radar? He's a player who's been offered around. And I think the start of the season for City has had an impact. I understand that John Stones hasn't impressed overly and the staff weren't too happy. But I think it's just about options for City, from what I'm told. Nathan Aki, maybe more left-back going forward, so maybe not considered a centre-half going forward. So they just don't want to be, get caught short. You know, I think Pep is, is, from what I'm told, a bit worried about the World Cup and player fitness. And so getting a Kanji now rather than January, say, you know, he might not play much until January, but then he might be ready to go. And so getting someone in now, I think I think it's a sensible way of doing it. And I think he's a player with lots of ability, potential. And, you know, less than 20 million. You can't even get a championship centre-back for that nowadays. Isn't he a Man United fan? <laughs> <laughs> no answers. I, I think, I think I he is, well, you know. He's not going to be a Man City fan, is he? Yeah, fair play. <laughs> fair play. Um, Graham, on uh, on Man City as well, before we move on, uh, Bernardo Silva is staying. We gave you a bit of stick at one point for drafting him in your uh, FPL team. Uh, you've been proven right on this one. Yeah, you know, well, you just got to back your sauce. And City t- were telling me all along, I've been signed in March, you're not leaving. And as we spoke about on the previous pods, Barcelona thinking they can bully Manchester City the best-run team in world football. Never going to happen. Never going to. Ironically, two former Barcelona executives. Sorry, I know, but Gary Stein. Yeah, you, you, we always talk about Man City on the pitch and stuff, but getting them to in, they'll forever look back at that and think, what a, what a wonderful decision that was. And yeah, um, I think I think he will leave next year. I think they'll build up. They'll get some replacement in, but they made it clear. You're not leaving, no matter what. Obviously, Pep Pep caused a little bit of stagnant of, of interest, didn't he? When he said, "Oh, I hope he stays, etc." But within the club, they were never going to let him go. And we we do forget, although he started last season on the sidelines and he wanted to leave, he, he has to leave last summer. He got in the team and he signed a new deal in March. And and that you know, to for City, it, it wasn't anything like the Sterling and the Hazers deals. They had one they had one year left on their deals. They wanted to leave. Okay, see you later. The silver situation was completely different, and the team had been built to that point. So no, it was it was never going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be one we talk about this time next year. We are talking about as a as a Barca player if he continues that push towards the the Catalan giants. Yeah, uh, Bernardo Silva's been in great form early in the season as well, and obviously Erling Haaland is now a robot of Premier League goal scoring proportions, which is a step up from what he even was before, and the Champions League starts next week as well, because he had nine goals in his first few games. Absolutely crazy stuff, and uh, City look well-equipped. Harry, do you think? Do you honestly think... No, I, I'm... You, honestly. Go on. Go on. Can Arsenal keep up with that? Can Arsenal keep this momentum up? Because it's been a good start, but City just look ominous, don't they? No, yeah, and let's be honest, that there isn't any sort of sensible Arsenal fan out there that thinks that Arsenal can challenge for the Premier League title or that Arsenal are anywhere near Manchester City's level. The start's been good, but the fixtures have been kind to us overall, you have to say. Um, you know, now it, it gets tougher. October is a very difficult month for Arsenal in terms of the fixtures. And we've got some injury problems at the moment that threaten to make life a little bit more difficult. So we're not getting carried away. And when you watch Haaland, as you say, the robot, um, the scoring hat-tricks in 18 minutes, 26 minutes. Um, I wouldn't even put it past him getting another one at the weekend against Aston Villa. You know, how can you keep up with that? It's impossible. What if Arsenal win at Old Trafford, Harry? Oh, <laughs> I will come in here on Monday morning 
with a massive smile on my face. <laughs> Premier League champions, uh, May, June 2023. Uh, yeah, let's move across London anyway, because uh, Arsenal, well, we'll talk Arsenal later on. We'll, we've talked Liverpool, we've talked City. Not really too much going on, you know, one player coming in here and there. Let's move across London to Chelsea. And at this point, we can bring in Daniel Childs, at son of Chelsea, has been on the channel with us on Nighty Min's YouTube channel a few times over the last few weeks. Good to see you again, Dan. Uh, busy day for Chelsea. How are you feeling? A bit tired, I have to say. I mean, I didn't even start that early and I'm already a bit exhausted by this deadline day uh but it's it's been unpredictable and it's kind of summed up today chelsea's window in a, in a lot of ways how chaotic and unpredictable it's been but i i'm i don't know about you i'm kind of happy we're nearly at the end of this window and we can just kind of focus on the football again because there's going to be a lot of it are you, are you happy that the window is closing or are you happy with the business that chelsea are doing uh, or both both, both okay. yeah there's there's a couple of deals particularly one that's just kind of broken that i'm not that happy about um but in the main i think that overall i've been pretty pleased with chelsea's transfer business that i i think i've said on the show before when we've we've been about bowley a few weeks back you know i i think that despite the chaos when you actually look at the targets on paper if you would have told me that in may i think i would have nodded and said i think that's a pretty decent window for chelsea and the profiles of players i think we needed yeah, I think I know who you're talking about when you say you're not very happy. We'll, we'll talk about that one in a second. But uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is the big one of the day by the seams of it. Uh, it looks like this one is essentially thrashed out with Barcelona now. We've reported as such on nightingmin.com. Uh, and Marcos Alonso going in the other direction. Uh, that is ideal for Chelsea, who've not really had uh, a number nine. I know we talked about it on the show on YouTube uh, a couple of times over the last few weeks about Chelsea not really having that focal point up front. They've addressed that now. And Marcos Alonso, who is patchy. I don't, how do you feel about him? Because I know there's some fans who really don't mm. rate him and would like to see him go. I am kind of one of those. Uh, I'm <laughs> very happy that this deal has been done. Um, yeah, Alonso kind of had to go this summer and arguably he stayed on. I wrote actually on, on Football London earlier today. There was a piece about it. Um, I... I personally felt we should have sold him a few years ago. He stayed on for far too long. Um, and it's just a bit, it is, it, you see it every window. It's like, why didn't we find this compromise earlier? It was so clear they wanted Alonso, Tuchel wanted a Bamiyang. Um, but we've reached that point in the end. And I, I don't think the fee is that ridiculous. Bowley has got another player that he should have let go off the books. And I, I think that's a positive. On a Bamiyang, um, it's the striker Tuchel wanted. How it plays out is uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one because uh, there are risks, as we've spoken about before. Uh, Toby, can I bring you back in? Because uh, what, what do you think of this Aubameyang deal? Because, you know, like Dan says, may, might not necessarily be the, the strongest fit, but obviously there's not many strikers of massive quality of the right age available. So it's a bit of a stopgap. It might work. I was going to say, at the end of the window, who is available, really, that's top class? Not many. And Aubameyang has proven over the years at Arsenal that he can score goals. Um, his short spell at Barcelona was actually quite impressive. He's just been booted out because Robert Lewandowski's gone there and he scores goals for fun. And I think he's still got plenty to offer. Um, Chelsea's weakness that we've identified on the transfer podcast over the last few weeks has been 
in attack. They need to replace probably the majority of their wingers and they don't have a focal point up front. And Yang would be able to give them the tactical flexibility to either play him through the middle or he could play on the left, depending on what Thomas Tuchel wants to do. And he's worked with him before. And what better formula to get the best out of a striker who is coming towards the end of his career, but has still got something to offer than to reunite him with a manager who got the very best out of him at Dortmund. And I think Tuchel has spoken very highly of Aubameyang's professionalism and his work ethic. And Chelsea need that kind of player right now, I think, to to kind of hold them together because they've looked a bit susceptible to folding in recent weeks. The, the defeat at Southampton was disappointing. I'm sure Daniel would agree with that. And they don't look particularly potent up front. And Aubameyang on his day offers some serious firepower. So I, I think it's smart. And look, if they want to move for another striker next year, they will. Dan, is, is, is Aubameyang going to have to get that Arsenal tattoo he's got covered up? Is that, is that actually true? <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a tattoo of himself, I think, in an Arsenal shirt or something like that. Mm. Um, but interestingly as well, I just wanted to get Dan's take on this because Toby mentions that Thomas Tuchel kind of speaks about him really glowingly and positively because of the fact that, you know, he's worked with him before and stuff. I didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Aubameyang leave a game before the end of the game when Thomas Tuchel was in charge? Mm. And, and I, I don't understand why... I understand why Thomas Tuchel's doing it now because he thinks that the player can help him, right? And mm. in the situation he's in, he's not going to come out and be critical of him at this moment. But I don't understand this this kind of desire from, and maybe it's because I'm an Arsenal man, but I don't understand why people are so quick to kind of talk about Aubameyang's professionalism when we've seen mm. over the years on more than one occasion that he isn't a professional in that sense. And he's got those problems. It, it really baffles me why everybody wants to kind of, I'm not speaking about Toby, but why everybody wants to just gloss over that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no, those are my concerns about this deal. They are professional sort of reasons. They are the way it fell out of Arsenal, um, the way he dealt with Lukaku and the the kind of the unity Tuchel's wanted to bring to Chelsea since he arrived and how he could be undermined if Tuchel, if, if Aubameyang sort of follows with what he did at Arsenal. Um, there could be a case where Tuchel, it's one of those just great coach-player relationships where Tuchel as a, as a character is able to sort of tame some of those signs of Aubameyang and is able to deal with that as, as a coach that maybe Mikel Arteta at his point at Arsenal was very much trying to build a young squad and couldn't stand for any of that nonsense. Maybe Tuchel is kind of someone who needs results and needs to see improvement in his attack is, it sounds dramatic, but sort of self-preservation mode. You know, he needs results now. He needs to see improvement in his attack that has been faltering. Um, I do think the coach-player sort of dynamic, sort of putting all our weight on that is a little bit flawed because I think about Fernando Torres with Rafael Benitez. I think about Gonzalo Higuain on loan with Maurizio Sarri doesn't always mean that the player is going to work out if he's moved into a different environment. I think the thing that, uh, Toby, I think you said that I absolutely agree with is that compared to, say, Cristiano Ronaldo, Aubameyang is a much better suit to Chelsea and what we do um, in terms of that, as I say, flexibility. And you look at his goal record since he's been at Barcelona a very short period of time. He scored goals there. You look at his goal record in the Premier League, I think 68 goals, although the last few months weren't that impressive. He's a lethal goal scorer, and and I think that that hopefully, as an aging striker, he can offer a bit of precision 
over a difficult season when Chelsea need it. Um, but I, I don't think there are going to be, compared to a lot of the other deals we've done, I don't think this deal has a middle ground in terms of analysis. I think from fans and from onlookers, it's going to be, either, I said it earlier, we're even going to look at this at when Aubameyang leaves as Olivier Giroud, which is very positive, and he continues the trend of Arsenal players coming over to Chelsea, winning trophies, becoming beloved. Or he he's Alexandro Pato, you know he 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 adds to the the list of strikers that we bought too late. So we'll see what happens. Tuchel, I think, is under scrutiny to get it right. Yes, indeed, he'll come under a bit more scrutiny. I think for something I'll come back to you on in a second, Dan. But uh, Graham, I'll come back to you because. Uh, Aubameyang looks like he's going to join. And if you listen to this after the deadline, he probably has joined. Uh, Chelsea are also trying to sign an Ajax player. Now, that's alien to this transfer window, sign an Ajax player. So they, they must be onto a record, honestly, for like player sales, especially if this one goes through. Edson Alvarez, uh, we've reported on nightman.com today, refused to train with Ajax in a bid to force a move. Uh, what's the latest on this one, Graham? I know that we're obviously... We have time constraints here. Um, and this, what you say now, might be outdated in a few hours' time. But what's the thinking for Chelsea? Yeah, it's to have someone who can play at DM role. Obviously, Daniel know better than me. They don't really have that. It's something they've been lacking. They did have an interest in Casemiro early in the window, but it was a bit too, not too rich, but they didn't think that contract was worthwhile taking on. And Alvarez, yeah, he's come on the agenda today and the player is really pushing very hard for this. And there's a chink of light there. Chelsea are continuing talks here. This one has the real chance of happening. We've seen the Ajax sign Florian Grilish, the Austrian international today, despite their window being closed. So you could argue they have got cover for him. And as you say, Scott, if they've got this deal gets done, I think it's Ajax approaching, what, a quarter of a billion pounds and <laughs> euros or whatever. It's amazing. It's not even a a generational Ajax team, but the amount of money raised from this team is, is phenomenal. But yeah, he's a very good player and I think he's one that Chelsea are, are, are pushing on with. It, it was strange that Ajax didn't get back to them until they made the bid um, overnight and they didn't get back to them until later today. So I think Chelsea saw that as, you know, th- there's a chance here and I think if they raise this offer a little bit um, from what we're hearing in Holland and, and near Chelsea, th- they think they could get this done. The noises have always been, uh, well, there's been some noises today that, no, we're not selling. But they also said that about Anthony, and he's turned up at Man United. Uh, and as you say, Graham, they have, uh, they've also signed another midfielder who can play in that position. Alvarez wants to force this move through. Uh, but Dan, coming back to you, what does this mean then for Billy Gilmore? I'm guessing that is the one that you're not very happy with. Well, the news is that Brighton have agreed a fee, uh, £9 million, which is just staggering uh, that Chelsea... Apparently, Todd Bowley didn't want to sanction this deal, um, I think for pretty obvious reasons, but apparently Tuchel was okay to let the player go. And it it seems like Chelsea have had a a change of heart today um, because it was kind of... It felt like it was kind of... um, important that Chelsea got someone in. That's an uncertainty at the moment, but we're going to let Billy Gilmore go. And it's not a shock that he's leaving, to be honest. Um, Over pre-season, coming back from that Norwich loan where he found it a little bit difficult, um, he was involved early on in the US tour and then Tuchel sent home a bunch of academy players, including Billy Gilmore, really without giving him a a look in at all. Yes, he was on the bench against Southampton, but Tuchel's words after the game indicated that he had no faith in that player effectively, you know, or no plans 
is probably a more accurate way of putting it because when he was asked about sort of the the injury to Loftus Cheek, the options he had with Carney Chukameka, another young player we bought this summer, and Billy Gilmore and Harvey Vale was on the bench as well. He said I, there was no one left. So for Billy, I think it's a really smart move. I, I'm excited to see what he can do with Graham Potter. I think really good talent there, and I, and I don't think that a, a difficult no, loan at a, a club like Norwich should make people think that this isn't a good talent um, because we've seen a glimpses at Chelsea and for Scotland, how influential he can be. Um, but Chelsea and Tuchel, if we, if we don't get a central midfielder before the deadline, I think there are going to be deep concerns. Um, and, you know, as was pointed out by Graham, the the problem that we've had in central midfield, it's, it's bizarre how much money we've invested since 2018 in kind of every area in this squad, apart from central midfield. Um, and it's a bit of a shame that, they've come to the realisation so late in this window because uh, I think many Chelsea fans could have told you this about two years ago that it was an area that needed fixing. Sounds like Man United. Uh, <laughs> although they have addressed that this Give summer. Them we don't have Ronaldo. Or... That's, that's a plus. <laughs> I know I've been credit. teasing you, Dan, about this Ronaldo deal a, f- a few times on the last few shows that we've done. Uh, that was not happening. It's like it looks like he's going to stay on Man United's bench or, or maybe... Mm come in with uh, two 22-year-old wingers who can swing crosses in for him to head into the into the net. Mm. We'll see. Uh, just on uh, Billy Gilmore, this is another quality bit of business, you'd think, uh, Harry, for Brighton, because they spot these gems and then they end up selling them for 60-odd million. Is Billy Gilmore going to be another one? <laughs> well, if I'm Billy Gilmore, there's probably not many coaches outside of the obvious elite ones that I'd rather play under than Graham Potter. He'll give him the opportunity to do what he's good at. He'll give him the opportunity to get on the ball. He'll give him the opportunity to develop, to learn. And, you know, he's clearly got faith in him, which is why they've made the move. I think it's a great move for Billy Gilmore. I think, I know Chelsea fans rate him really highly. And, and, you know, obviously they're in a much better position than the rest of us having watched him so much more. But I do think the decision, or I don't know whose decision it was, but the move he made last season did set him back a little bit in terms of, um, sort of his progress. And so it, it was important that the next move uh, was the right one so that he can get his career back on track. Undoubtedly a talented player. And um, yeah, I think there's no better place really for him right now than Brighton. Uh, Dan, before we let you go, uh, as it stands, I mean, how do you reflect on the transfer window uh, for Chelsea? It's been a busy one. I know a lot of moves have been touted. A lot of moves haven't come off. Uh, there's on-pitch factors to you know, bring into this as well. The, the Southampton performance mm. wasn't good. The Leeds performance wasn't good. What's mm. the ambition this season? And do the signings, Wesley Fafana, I think it'd be a great signing. Do these signings that you have made that are confirmed, what, where does this push the ambition for the season for Chelsea? I don't think the ambition changes radically um, beyond Champions League qualification. I mean, despite it being a poor start, I, you know, there's still absolutely that possibility and there's going to be lots of ups and downs. I think it's a positive already that Raheem Sterling scoring goals, you know, three goals in two games, um, that kind of got forgotten about because we lost it. But, you know, it's that's a positive for Tuchel that one of those attacking signings is is starting to click and what could Aubameyang do on top of that? We, we wait to see. Um, my hope is with Fafana, along with Rhys James, Rhys James having an assist in the transfer himself, like he does on the pitch, you know, messaging Fafana saying, come and play at Chelsea. Um, Down the right side of defence, I think that's going to be really exciting as well. So across the board, again, as I said at the start, it's uh, I'm happy with the targets um, and I'm happy with the players we brought in. 
it has not been the most enjoyable window to to cover um or it's just been so, the same for you guys probably covering it. it it's been puzzling at times where we've been going left right and center but and and there were so many times it could have gone in a very different path um, and I think that's a sign of the the uncertainty behind the scenes, the lack of a director of football, which I think the majority of Chelsea fans would want to come in now. Um, and we're ending the window actually today. There are reports earlier today that contract talks have began for for, for Reese James and Mason Mount, which actually, above every other signing, I think that could be the biggest piece of business Todd Bowley does in his first year at Chelsea. So I think overall, considering we were behind our rivals, I'm still going to say it's more positive than negative, even though there are some criticisms. Can cool. I just ask uh, one thing? Are we going to see Mish- Mishi Batshuayi? He still plays for Chelsea, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Is he ever going to exist? I mean, in a- <laughs> well, I mean, I, I saw him slowly run onto the pitch in Orlando during the summer, and that was about <laughs> as much as I wanted to see of him. Um, I don't know what the situation is, because last year he went to Besiktas, didn't he, on loan in the European um, window, I believe, is still a li- it goes on a little bit longer than, than this one, doesn't it? So potentially there could be something there again. Or as you have seen from Bowley this week, we are starting to rip up contracts um, like we have with Ross Barkley. And I do wonder with some of these players, I think like Timoy Bakayoko, who is linked to a couple of clubs as well, I think they'll just come to that conclusion with some of these if they can't get a deal because I, I really do think Chelsea want a clean start with the amount of money they're spending as well. You need to get some of these wages that have been problematic for Chelsea in recent years off the books. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. We will let you go. You can no follow worries. Dan on Twitter and YouTube at Son of Chelsea. Is that right? Yeah, both. Uh, cool. Uh, Dan does some really good stuff. If you're a Chelsea fan and you want some Chelsea content, go Dan's way. Uh, very good stuff. Yeah. Dan, I'm, I'll see you soon, I'm sure, mate. All the best, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. Thanks, mate. See ya. Uh, just a reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, please give a like on the stream uh, because we only have uh, 86 likes at the moment. That's really, really out of sync with the amount of people we've got watching. Uh, and also go and check out uh, the Sky Sports uh, pundits video that we did on, we released uh, day before this one. What day are we on? uh thursday we released that on wednesday I, i'm all over the shop these transfer windows closing all over the shop uh, go to that video it's absolutely flying and it's really good fun as well so uh, check that out and the likes have gone up as well it's actually working when you prompt people to do it uh just on chelsea before we move on uh zaki ali says only chelsea would let go of ampadu and gilmore when they desperately need a dm we'll see what they manage to do before the transfer deadline and we'll move on now to arsenal because uh Maybe I'll come to I'll come to Graham first before I bring you in, Harry. Douglas Louise on Arsenal's radar. Uh, we don't know. The, the, basically, Villa are not playing ball as we speak. They have a fee that they would like to achieve if they are to sell. Uh, what's the latest on Douglas Louise and his potential move to Arsenal, Graham? Yeah, um, the obviously the first bid's been rejected. It was re- rejected out of hand this morning. Arsenal are lining up a second one which we believe will be around the £30 million mark, but it won't be enough. Uh, Christian Perslow, my understanding, is digging his heels in. Uh, you know, Louise won't sign another contract at Villa. It's one of those, do they keep until January? They have brought Dendonka in today. I don't know if that's been confirmed just yet, but he's coming in there. So, yeah, you have to think he is available. And we know behind scenes, Edu is close to um, Louise's people. So he's pushing it. Arteta, let's not forget he has worked to work, not worked with him, but he was he's part of the city management group who signed Douglas Louise, so he knows all about him. 
Um, so yeah, I, this one, this one's going to go late till tonight. I think. I think Villa, from our understanding, they want forty-five million to get him out. <laughs> um, it it depends. Edu and Ateta both like this player a lot. He's full of potential. I think he'd suit Arsenal down to the ground. It's an interesting one, this one, yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is going to go. They're going to bid again. I expect, yeah, as I said, I expect this to go at the deadline, this one. But I don't think Arsenal are going to give them up just yet. And there is rumours of other interest from elsewhere in the Premier League and Douglas Louise. We've already talked about them. Chelsea, I'm hearing, might have a little interest in Douglas Louise if they don't get Alvarez. So that's one. It's not a definite. It's just little rumours during the rounds. But wouldn't be a surprise. Defensive midfielder. We know Chelsea want one. And so if they don't get Alvarez, might they switch their attention to Douglas Louise? One to keep an eye on. Well, there you have it. You have to watch us on our live stream on YouTube for the latest on that. I, don't, I haven't seen that anywhere else, Graham, so that's news to me. Uh, interesting that that actually does seem like a decent fit, especially if they can't get a hold of Alvarez. Uh, back to Arsenal, Harry. Does that, has that shook you up a bit? <laughs> um, um, do, you, do you like this idea of Douglas Ruiz signing for Arsenal? I like the idea of Douglas Luiz signing for Arsenal because I think they need some depth in that midfield area. We mentioned it earlier, three injuries to players that all could potentially fill that position has, has rocked us a little bit. And, you know, maybe Arsenal have learned their lesson a bit from previous seasons where they didn't act and didn't go and uh, bring the, the, the needed depth, I guess, into certain positions. But if Aston Villa want £45 million for a player with nine months left on his contract, who's currently a substitute, you know, at, at Villa Park, he hasn't played an awful lot for them this season, then if I were Arsenal, I'd walk away from this. It's too much money. Um, there is a report doing the rounds um, elsewhere that Arsenal have had a £23 million second bid rejected. Um, I, I, again, I don't know how true that is. That's coming from uh, Alex Crook at the moment. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think anything between sort of £20-25 million feels reasonable. Um, but then when you start getting to 30-plus, I think it is a little bit crazy. And Arsenal have shown that they've got a transfer strategy at the moment. They've got a clear plan. They're only going after players that they've done an extensive amount of research on. Douglas Luiz is someone that's been linked to Arsenal before, right? This wasn't wake up on deadline day, let's try and get Douglas Luiz. It's, it's been there before. It's been in the background. But yeah, if, if the money's going to get crazy, then you know I, I don't think Arsenal should be even going back to the table. I think that there is a need, but there is also a need not to show ourselves to be a soft touch in the market and not to show ourselves 
to be a club that can be bullied into overpaying for someone who clearly, given his contractual situation, is not worth anywhere near that. Arsenal have done a decent job of that over the last few transfer windows to make their point known. Uh, we are recording this, as we say, ahead of the transfer deadline. There's a good few hours left yet, so we are expecting some twists and turns, especially with Douglas Luiz and whether he goes to Arsenal, whether Chelsea's interest formalises more, or whether there's another destination for him, or whether he stays at Villa. We will wait and see. Uh, let's move to the West Ham section, Toby. The irons in the fire. How many irons are in the fire today? Because it seems like... You, well, you signed Lucas Paqueta earlier this week, uh, and... Strong signing, but there's a, a little bit of here or there coming and going with some centre-backs at West Ham. Bit of a transfer merry-go-round, you could call it. Lots of deals depending on other deals going through for those deals to happen. So it started with Craig Dawson, really, from a West Ham perspective. He has wanted to move away from the club to be closer to his family, essentially. He commutes down from Manchester um, to West Ham training, which, as we all know, is a long Slog, and despite West Ham's success over the last couple of years, he'd expressed an indication or willingness to leave the club and move closer up north. So Wolves and Aston Villa, we understood we're in for him. Wolves were the favourites to land him. And should he go, Jan Bednarek from Southampton was who West Ham were looking to bring in on loan. Aston Villa have liked him as well for a number of weeks. And we learned earlier today that they'd moved ahead of West Ham in the race to sign him and our understanding now at the time of recording is that he's on his way for a medical at Villa Park and he won't be going to West Ham. The knock-on effect of that could be Craig Dawson staying put, but then there's Duje Coletta Carr is in England as well, a long-term West Ham target of about four years, who'd been linked with Southampton, but there's also rumours bubbling that West Ham could still be in the mix for him. So if he were to go... To West Ham, that could reignite the Craig Dawson leaving deal. But at this stage, it's not clear where his destination is. Southampton also need to replace Jan Begnerek, don't forget. And Coletta Carr was potentially going to be that player. So that's three players who are all interlinked. And then there's young Harrison Ashby from a West Ham perspective as a young right back who's come through the through the academy, out of contract next year, but looks like he's going to be another player to walk away from London Stadium and Newcastle. We're told a closing in on a permanent deal. That's all but agreed and should be finalised before the transfer deadline tonight. And that could mean no incomings at West Ham, potentially. How exciting. But it's all right, because <laughs> Lucas Paqueta arrived earlier in the week and I'm very happy about that. Uh, we've got Julian Laurence joining in just a few moments. We'll talk a bit about Man United before we bring... Uh, we bring anybody else into this, but uh, I, I would like to talk to Julian about uh, Lucas Paqueta because there's a, a lovely little stat that Toby actually put on the table that is in my notes. Uh, and it refers to uh, West Ham signing of Lucas Paqueta versus some Paris Saint-Germain transfer business, which I think has been quite good over the summer. But uh, let's talk Man United very briefly uh, in the time that we're recording this. They've confirmed the signing of Martin Dubravka, who is a number two goalkeeper understudy to David De Gea on loan from Newcastle. And they've also confirmed the signing earlier on deadline day of Anthony for 100 million euros. Uh, I believe that's 95 million euros plus five in add-ons. Uh, Graham, we know, we've know we known this one's going to happen for a while. Well, I say a while, like a few days. Uh, it's moved quite quickly after Ajax 
initially dug their heels in and said we weren't selling or we'll sell for this number. Uh, you rate Anthony quite highly, don't you? You told me not to take a certain line off you that you wanted to you want to say on the podcast today. So what do you think of Anthony? Yeah, as I, I think he's the best, most exciting United sign since Ronaldo. I think it's Americanism. His ceiling is so high. I think he's a terrific, wonderful player. Yeah, he's, I think he's at the level of a Rafinha, Richarlison now, but I just think he's a potential Ballon d'Or winner. I think he's that good. I think he's a special talent. Yeah, you've had to break Ajax's record, beating, ironically beating Frankie de Jong's fee. But yeah, um, and it, you've had players slightly more, but, but so what? If he does become a Ballon d'Or winner at United, it'll be worth every euro. Indeed. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I've got to say, as a United fan, Sancho and Anthony on the wings for the next five, seven, eight, nine, ten years. We'll see. Uh, I think it's a good, it's a good deal. Well, it's, it's a good player this time. I think they've, they've massively overspent United Av, and I don't think anybody will disagree with that. But it's all about Eric Ten Hag maximizing the potential of the players that he's got. Uh, but for now, uh, we will be joined, uh, and please welcome uh, ESPN FC reporter and co-host of the Gab and Jules show, Julian Laurence. I hope he's here. Uh, he, there he is. <laughs> there he is. How Hello, guys. Doing? Good in here. Thank you for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's uh, it's Pleasure. great to see you. Uh, I would love to talk to you about a few transfers that have happened today. We'd like to get your view on some Paris Saint-Germain transfer business as well, because I believe you're a PSG fan, right? Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't hide it, really. Paris born and bred, you know. So. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, the other guys, I'll, I'll bring you in here and there. But Jules, uh, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of players who are... Jo- are, I was going to say are joining Premier League clubs today, but we've just had a, some news break over the last few minutes about Bamba Dieng, who was meant to be going to Leeds. There's now a bit of uncertainty about that <laughs> um, by the seams of it. Uh, we did think Leeds were going to be getting him. But let's just act mm. like Leeds are. Uh, what can we expect to, or what can Leeds fans expect to see from this player, given what you've seen of him over the last few seasons? Yeah, really over the last season because last season was was his breakthrough year. Really, we didn't expect him to do so well coming in the the Marseille team. That was obviously a lot of competition for places, things like that. He was such a young player who who came from Africa only a few months before playing with the reserve, training with the reserve. And I think his rise to the top and and to becoming a, a, a very good member of that Marseille squad was really impressive considering how young he was and the lack of experience. He's, um, he's quite a versatile forward in the sense that he can play in every of the front three positions, which I think fitted well with what Jesse Marsh wanted a new forward to be because you already have Bamford as a as a proper old-school number nine if you wanted. But Ben Badiang meant that you could have him on the right, on the left, centres, as a lone striker, as a second forward. There was a lot of things that you could do with him. Young, he's a good kid. He works really hard. Uh, the thing is, he never really wanted to leave Marseille. I think he felt, and, and I kind of agree to a certain extent, that maybe another season in France was good for him and for his development, I think. And there's a, this summer, there was a few players I spoke to who felt like, whereas before, I think the Premier League was really the dream for everyone and they wanted to come here as quickly as possible. It felt a little bit this summer that it was a little bit different in the sense that some of them were, were a bit more like, OK, what about just another year in Ligue 1 and then 
my price would be higher, my stake would be higher, I would be better as a player from another season in France, and then I can go to the to the best league in the world and and I can I can be more ready for that. And I think Diang was a bit like that. And that's why maybe if the deal to Leeds doesn't happen, it's because I think at some point he was more keen to stay in France than going to the Premier League, where Fulham, for example, had been chasing him for, for a few weeks now as a sort of a Mitrovic number two, if you want, or even playing with Mitrovic up front. And again, he was not too keen on Fulham either. So I think maybe that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen that deal going through just yet. Uh, lovely, uh, lovely introduction of Fulham's name there. I did actually want to come back to you, Jules, in a second. But Graham, it looks like, uh, am I right in saying Dan James to Fulham looks like it's on? Yeah, interestingly, although the Bamba Dieng being off may impact on that. That that is one we need to look at now. Radrizani's confirmed he had done the deal as chairman of Leeds with with uh, Marseille. But yeah, we need to keep an eye on this now. Will will Leeds allow Dan James to go when they haven't got replacement in? So that might impact on things. Yes, indeed. Uh, Jules, I'll come back to you. Uh, Fulham have signed uh, Levin Kazawa from uh, from PSG. Uh, what can what can Fulham fans expect from him? And we'll talk more generally about PSG in a second. But uh, what are Fulham getting with this player? I'm not sure. I haven't seen him play for two years because he hasn't played. I'm kidding. I don't want to be mean. This is my debut on your show and I don't want to be hey, mean to people. We, we encourage that. We, we love a bit Good, that, good. Then I don't understand why this deal is happening. I mean, who, I mean, who is calling this a Fulham? Because really, he's, he's, um, he's an interesting guy. I think he's got a very high opinion of himself, which is, not, which is not a bad thing. I think a lot of us have, especially football players. Uh, but he hasn't been a footballer for a long time. I, like I, it's the joke that I use for Icardi. I use, funnily enough, for a lot of PSG players. He was a stay-at-home dad. This is this is living Kozava's life for the last two years. He hasn't played football, and I think he was very reluctant to leave Paris and the great contract that he had there, even if he was not playing. Coming to 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 Fulham is obviously you know a little bit different. Uh, it's London. He's got some of his friends who play in other London clubs, of course. That helps, and and even at Fulham, someone like Nesken Kebano, for example, they they've known each other for quite a while. But I I just don't get it because if you get him as a number two to, you know, a decent left back that you have already, I don't think he's much better than than what they already have. So I don't know. We'll have to see. He might prove me wrong. And by the way, he's the only left back to score a hat trick in the Champions League. So you know, what what am I talking about? Okay, it was against Anderlecht and any of us would have probably scored in that game, but still, he scored three. So, you know, there's a player there. I just, I just don't understand the, what he did with his career for the last two seasons. He should, have, he should have left Paris a long time ago just to play and to, you know, because I think there's a player there. But the fact that he stayed for two years and has, has hardly played, I think he's to the detriment of his own career. <laughs> I love the chat. You keep bringing it, keep bringing it, Jules. That, we we <laughs> oh, love doing good. that on that Iman channel, to be fair. Uh, and Toby, I don't. I bring you back in here because I do want to talk a bit more about PSG. Do you have your little factoid to hand about uh, Lucas Paqueta versus Paris Saint Germain's summer business? I do. So West Ham signed Lucas Paqueta, as we know, sixty million euros is what the deal could get to. But for that amount of money, PSG have signed. Mikuele from Leipzig, Renato Sanchez from Lille, Fabian Ruiz from Napoli. That's just a shade over 40 million euros. And they look like they're getting Carlos Soler from Valencia for 18 million euros plus add-ons. When you tot all of that up, it's 3 million euros more PSG have paid for those four players than West Ham being able to get Paqueta away from Lyon. Is that Premier League tax 
Jules, the fact that West Ham have had to pay so much or are PSG just a hell of a lot smarter now they've got Louis Campos in there and they're able to mm. negotiate better transfers? Yeah, I think I think you're you're right for a lot of things. I think it's the 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 premium price for Brazil number ten starter to start with, and I, I don't think that West Ham will sign in the future many number ten. I mean, there's not many clubs that can that can have the the number ten Brazil starter at the next World Cup, and you have him. So I think just in that is a hell of a signing. But you pay the price for that. You pay the price, and the difference with the players that you name for PSG, they all had one year left on their contract. So it's much easier to get Renato Sanchez for 13 million or 15 million because he's going to be free in six months. Same for Vivian Ruiz. And I like the fact that Luis Campos targeted those players on top of the fact that they are good players and they, they, they're all quite young or youngish. Also, the fact that they went for those players with just one year left on the contract because there's bargains to do there. For Paqueta, there was not one year left on his contract. And as inconsistent as he has been at times, the talent is so obvious for everyone to see that it was always going to be a premium price. And especially coming from a Premier League club. Uh, I think Lyon played it well. I don't think Lyon should have... You don't sell your best player like that, I think, especially without a replacement. But they played it well because they wanted more money from West Ham from what West Ham were offering the first offer and the second offer. And he went to the third offer, which which for someone they bought for 20 million euros, getting all that money from West Ham is, is great. But I think they might have lost more than they've gained, really, despite the, the the profit that they made on him. I'm so glad you've said that because my ongoing joke on this podcast has been West Ham obviously smashed Leon in the Europa League last year and Paqueta <laughs> didn't really do anything. Uh, and I know he's a good player, obviously, but I was just cautiously worried, I guess, that we were paying so much money. But as you say, Brazil number 10, he made his cameo debut last night at Spurs and he just seems to have that wow factor about him so he should have scored a, toby he should he's still probably he should have yeah. he should have do, do you know what the, on the commentary as well they were talking about hadn't been involved in training yet um and maybe there's a communication barrier it was him and emerson who were playing together last year so if anybody should have had the communication it would be those two <laughs> but it didn't work out for him but i still think he looked quite bright on his debut and as you say jules for west ham to sign a player of his caliber probably tells you a lot about where West Ham are now when they're standing in the game. Um, it, it's just general a lot of quest, money. Question, yeah, a general question on that. I did want to bring it back to Jules. How crazy is the Premier League spending? It just seems like it's gone up a notch. And you compare it to the rest of the European leagues, it seems like the gap has widened yeah. even more. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. And that's post, post-COVID. We still are, you know, technically still post-COVID. If you look at the net, the net spend, it's even worse. It's even worse because all the others have, have sold well and, and, and bought respectably well, I think. But in England, it's just out of hand. I mean, Nottingham Forest, I don't know if they will stay up or not. I wish them all the best. I don't care. But, I mean, come on. 20 new players for all that amount of money. It's and a new it, squad. Completely. But it doesn't... Some don't make even, even, a, even sense, really. I mean, I looked at the yeah. game. I mean, against City or even at the weekend. They had... Yeah, I think that Surridge um, on the bench, Awuni on the bench, Emmanuel Dennis on the bench, and there was a four strike, a four striker on the bench when they already had obviously one in Brennan Johnson playing on the pitch. How many, how many number nines do you want on your bench? There's a point where I, I'm, I'm all for construction, you know, building your squad well and 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 getting opportunities, signings if you, if there's some that there market opportunities. But this is crazy. But that's the Premier League for you, and I think it's it's it's. 
this is the reality of football now. They are far too wealthy for the rest of Europe. I feel like it could end up ending badly for Forrest as well. Their, their mm-hmm. owner, uh, Marinakis, who's obviously the Olympiakos owner, he's always had it his own way in Greece. You know, he does what he wants. He buys who he wants, when he wants. Um, and it, it's just been so easy for him. And he's come to England and he's done well, don't get me wrong, to get them to this position. But that Premier League money has just, it's attracted him into a market, into a space that I don't think he quite knows what he's getting himself into. And he probably doesn't realise that even with all that spending, it doesn't guarantee safety. Mm. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be okay. And I don't want to say this because I I really like Nottingham Forest as a football club, but I do worry for them how it starts to go if if there starts to be unrest. They're not playing very well. You know, the season will be difficult at at some point for them. And um, yeah, he he might have just overstretched. And for Steve Cooper as well. Mm. Sorry to be just quickly because... When you spend that much, Marinakis can easily say to him if, if the results are not good after 10 games, saying, listen, we've spent 200 million. You've got all those players from some of some big clubs in Europe. Now you're doing you're doing rubbish with them. And and they sack him and they get someone else, which I don't think would be a, a smart choice because I think Cooper is, is, is good for them, has been really good for them, and he can keep them up. But yeah, I agree with you. I think stability would have been quite good. I mean, I'm, I'm all for depth in your squad. This is not depth. This is literally like a cave under the, you know, it's, there's a cemental. So, yeah. Well, they've binned off basically every player that got them to the Premier League. They've all been cast aside, minus Brennan Johnson. And I, pre season in my predictions, I put Forrest to stay up. But by that point, they'd only signed eight or nine players. And I thought that was relatively manageable. Now it's 19 yeah. or 20, as you've just said, Jules. How can Steve Cooper? Be held accountable really for that job when he's got a completely new he's Welsh managers, Toby. He's got that magic touch. I think he's going to keep him up. <laughs> there's gonna, a, there's a Welsh twinge it. in there. Brennan Johnson's going to net 15 goals and keep him up. Nico Williams, you know, I'm Welsh, Jules, in case you hadn't guessed. Yeah, my wife uh, as well. So she's all for <laughs> Cooper and all the Welsh players. Just, um, just uh, quickly, guys, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, tweets just come out. Um, from Mr. Romano, Leeds have decided to leave the negotiations for Bamba Dieng. Deal is now off, and he goes to Nice. Another it's big the, signing for Nice. It's, it's, it's yeah. the old we. It's the old we didn't want him anywhere, having already lost the player. Um, he was due. In, <laughs> he, he was due to land in Leeds at Leeds Bradford two hours ago. I got a message from his people on a private jet. Um, they were, and Leeds were mystified as to two hours later why he wasn't on the tarmac. And obviously, to be fair, I'd rather fly to Nice than Leeds Bradford as well. To be fair. <laughs> oh, that's, that's that, uh, it's that pull of playing me. with Aaron Ramsey, yeah. I think. And well, it's, well, Pepe. It's, it's, it's that tweet from the chairman, it's going to come back to haunt him. Obviously, he tweeted early, didn't he? He replied to a fan, didn't he? Confirming the deal was done. Which, uh, which, um, oh, he did. They, yeah. but they've already been pied off by yeah. Gakpo today as well. So yeah, Rats, 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 yeah, yeah. He, he, he tweeted, didn't he? Just some random tweet that uh, we've got it done. So, yeah, he may be regretting that. Goodness me. Uh, Jules, I just... Just, just quickly wanna... to finish on Paqueta. If you, just just quickly. He's an amazing talent. Not, not, I don't want to reassure you or worry you or anything. The, no, the please, please reassure me. Yeah, okay, reassure okay, me all you like. So I start with the inconsistency, just, just to get that out of the way. Um, but I think, I think Ligue 1 was too easy for him. And I think there was a point where he felt like, almost what am I doing here kind of thing, if you want. And that's, that's how I would explain the inconsistency in a team with Peter Bosch. Uh, who's trying to be like Pep Guardiola, even the you know the appearance, but he's not Pep Guardiola. And I think I think Paqueta Atam struggled a little bit with that, but the talent is incredible. And again, for me, and yesterday was 
was maybe not so telling, but Moyes will have to change the way you guys played because if you don't build around him, if he doesn't have a lot of the ball and a lot of movement around him, as good as he is, there's nothing. He can't just watch the ball going above his head because you play on the counter to Antonio and the ball goes as quickly as possible and as far as possible forward. It's That's the, the only one, thing I have. Yeah, yeah. It's the one thing I've said to the guys when we signed him is that we will have to change our style. Definitely. And I think actually that's why Moyes is maybe looking to bring wing-backs into the equation and we are going to play maybe two up front with Paqueta behind and we'll yeah. play more of a ground-based style because, as you say, Antonio running into the channels will just render Paqueta null and void. Hmm. And when you've paid 60 million euros, you kind of need him to be your focal point going yeah, forward. Yeah, definitely. Bring on Moyes' ball. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait, uh, Jules. Uh, we got two. I've got two more questions for you. We'll do one one little bit on PSG, and then we'll round off the show with a little game about who's won the transfer window, Premier League only. So I don't know whether you have any tips here. I hope we don't all have the same answer. I know which answer answer Harry's going to have. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal. I'm guessing that that's going to be a popular one. Uh, but yeah, we we've talked all about uh, the spending in the Premier League, but PSG. We've referenced their business already. Smart, right? Uh, you know, they've got, um, mm. there's a little bit of maybe unrest from the outside there. But is this their year in the Champions League? It's always this question. <laughs> is this finally the time? The Champions League's back next week. You know, yeah. is this finally the time for PSG? I would love to, really. I, I mean, I tell my kids every every summer, every start of every new season, like, this is our year. Don't, you know, don't lose faith. Uh, and there's always something happening. I mean, this is this is Messi's last season. I think they will try to keep him for a third year, but I, I don't see that one happening. And he's he's been so good so far. And Neymar as well, sharper than than I've I've, I've rarely seen him since he arrived in Paris. Kylian, I don't know for how long we still have him, but at some point he will go to Real Madrid eventually. Uh, and Galtier, I think, has almost the, the, the personality. To take that, he doesn't care really. He's he's happy to bench them. We've seen them taking them off early, for example, early-ish, because he's because this is the kind of guy that he is. So I want to believe that is a possibility if Sergio Ramos stays fit. I think that back three can work really in Europe as well. And then you need the big boys to do well. But but I think there's there's City and there's Bayern and there's you know all those big big teams, great teams. You need a bit of luck in the draw. You need a bit of luck during matches too. To, to go all the way. Uh, we saw that with Real Madrid last season at times. So I want to believe in it. I, I believe the, the balance of the squad is better. You said the transfer has been good because they got rid of a lot of the players they didn't want from Kerrer to Gay to Draxler to Kurzawa that we mentioned already and made fun of. And all those kind of guys that for, for years they could not sell. And then finally they got rid of them. And then the smart signing. I think Ruiz is a smart signing. So is Soler. I think... You know, obviously, Vitinha has been the one shining. He's such a clever player out of possession, almost as much as, as in possession. So there's a lot of good things so far. I'm just waiting to see Tuesday, for example, against Juventus, which is a, a big team to face. And let's see how they do. And then and then I always dream and I always get my heart broken. You know how it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, Jules, I hope you got five more minutes. Five, yeah, just of course, as long as you through. want. No problem at all. Oh, amazing. Uh, we just, just another reminder for the people watching live. Uh, this is going out as a podcast as well. Please like the stream, get it suggested to as many people as we possibly can. Uh, you know, this is a tra talking transfers deadline day special. And we'll round off as the transfer window is closing. We'll round off with a question of who's won the transfer window. Uh, Harry, I'm not coming to you first because I know what you're going to say. Uh, I'll I'm go actually to not going to say what you think I'm going to say. But you, that's really? Fine. Yeah. Maybe I will come to you first. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go on. Go on. Go on, Harry. Well, I just, 
looking at the last couple of weeks and looking at forest. the way things have gone. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Not in Forest. Um, I don't know how you can look. I, I know they haven't brought in as many signings as some of the other clubs, but you look at Erling Haaland, you look at Julian Alvarez, the impact that both of those guys have had. It's impossible. Like I, I don't know how you can look beyond Manchester City. You've got a striker who's got back-to-back hat-tricks in two Premier League games. And I wouldn't bet against him doing it again at the weekend against Aston Villa. He's, he, he looks that good at the moment. Um, and there were a lot of question marks around how he was going to fit into Pep Guardiola's system. And a lot has been made in the early weeks about him having maybe less touches than you know, you'd like in an ideal world. But he's so impactful and he's added another dimension to Manchester City, who were already a formidable force. So I think they've done um, really, really good business in terms of their incomings. You know, Calvin Phillips is a good addition as well. Uh, they've brought in a young left back as well, who I think will do a good job too. But Alvarez and, and Haaland are two players that really, really excite me. So for me, it's Manchester City. You, you stole my answer. Uh, Graham, uh, who's won it for you? Is it any different from City? Yeah, I, I think if you list them, Fafana, Koulibaly, Sterling, Cucciarella, Aubameyang, pretty simple, Chelsea. No, no expansion on that, or you just well, I just think, I, I, I just say if you list if you list those five players, you know, Fafana and Koulibaly could become the best centre half partnership in Europe quite easily. I, I love them two signings. Obviously, it's all opinion, but I love those players. Cucciarella, one of the best left backs in the Premier League last year. Aubameyang, I think out of all them, is the most sensible signing. It's what they needed. He, he might only be there for 12 months, but, you know, it's, they do need a number nine. I think Raheem Sterling, um, one of my favourite signs is the window. World-class striker, forward, he's come in. Uh, I love Chelsea's business. And with Todd Burley in his first window, well done to him. Um, and if we get Alvarez tonight as well. Um, he's kept... It's easier said than done. I know he's got money and et cetera, but he's kept, he's kept them closer to the top two than he has to the ones behind him. I don't know if I agree. I've got to say, uh, Jules, I'll come to you before I come to Toby. Who do you think uh, from the Premier League that is, uh, who's yeah. had the best window as we stand? I have to say first, I think from the top six point of view, this is the best window we've ever seen. If you look at each club individually, and, and Graham mentioned Chelsea, Harry mentioned City, and we can go up to United, and we can go to Arsenal, and we can go to Spurs and Liverpool, maybe slightly below, but they still Darwin, 100 million, but... I can't remember a transfer window where all those top six bought so much quality. And yeah, okay, they spend a lot of money on it. But the quality in almost every position, if you look, every line has been reinforced for pretty much every of those big six teams. And I think it's, it's incredible. I can't remember so much quality and quantity for those, those big six before. Um, I, I think I like United. And it's not a joke, I promise you. It's not a joke. I like, I like United for all the, the times that I've slagged them off. I think Casemiro is the best player in his position in the world. So you've already signed the best player possible in that position, which I think is incredible because there's there's obviously not many. There's only 11 in the best position in the world and you've got one of them. I think Anthony has the potential, we, I heard you before, to be an amazing player. I, I think you went a little bit far, Graham, on the Ballon d'Or because Kylian Mbappé and Erling Haaland will be in the next 10 anyway. But... I was just I trying to throw point. something to Scott. I was just trying to throw something to Scott. You know, he's had a lot. He's had a hard time recently. Jules, yeah, we have a, we have a bet on this podcast about which United will finish the highest in the Premier League this season. West Ham, Leeds, Newcastle, and Man United. And United okay. lost their first two games, lost four 0 Brentford. <laughs> I've not been able to live it down. They're expected to finish the highest, but doubts at times. But they can go fifth like if they beat Leicester tonight. 
So. I've, got yeah, Leeds Newcastle, I've got Leeds and Newcastle, uh, Julian, so I'm, I'm quite happy with that. How yeah, yeah I see where have you got I, two? I, I've got, I'm a northeast guy, so I've got my two clubs. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll go just not to, to... I would have said Chelsea, I think. Like, I agree with Graham. I think he's outstanding. And even if it was completely hectic, even if they threw a lot of money pretty much everywhere, in the end, if you count also all the youngsters that they signed, let's not forget the Casadei yeah, and yeah, Chukumwenka yeah. and all of that, it's pretty special. Uh, but I go for United just to be a little bit different because I think as well that... that Lissandro Martinez, Casemiro, Anthony, even Malassia and Eriksen. This is also very, very good. A lot of really good footballers there. So. Toby, I'm going to have my say and you can finish. Uh, I've changed my mind from Arsenal to City to United as people have pitched different <laughs> options. United's business, I, I, I'm, not, I'm still I'm not convinced by Chelsea. I've seen Chelsea a few times uh, and they were awful. Uh, Fafana will improve them. That Reese james fafana partnership, I think, will work really well and sort things out for them. But I just feel like something's not right there. When I look at the balance that United have now managed to achieve with Casemiro, and you look at the upgrades they made from Tomane Fred to Casemiro, Eriksen, and then balance on the wings, Anthony and Sancho. And then, you know, they've got the Ronaldo issue and that kind of thing. But they have upgraded. So I'm more confident they can actually challenge the top four than I was. It couldn't have got worse, though, could it, Scott? Like, <laughs> it, it, like you say, they were, like, it couldn't have yes, got worse. Yeah, it, it could have been, like, been Marco Arnautovic up front, Harry. It could have yeah. been worse. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the only reason why they're not winning it. Like, it's because they went from Rabio Arnautovic to Casemiro, and it just is inexplicable. And obviously, the, the De Jong chase has been very public. It's not happened yet. I don't think that one's going away. Um, but Toby, uh, who's your pick? So I thought Harry was cast on to say Arsenal. So I then wrote down Man City, Erling Haaland. But I'll go back to Arsenal because Gabby Jesus and Zinchenko, I think, are two brilliant players who add so much to that Arsenal team. And I did doubt Jesus's abilities down the middle. Just having seen what he'd done at City, he was at his best on the wing. But he looks like a completely different player at the moment. And if he can maintain that level, I think Arsenal are looking good for top four. Zinchenko is a brilliant addition at left back, left wing back slots into that central midfield role really well. And also not loaning out William Saliba, I think is a, a masterstroke from Arteta and probably a plan he had all along, but there was plenty of speculation that he would be leaving again. And he's looked brilliant in this first month the pressure's on him now to continue that but those three players um have made arsenal a hell of a lot stronger i agree with all of the points that you guys have made about the other big six teams but the table obviously speaks for itself right now right now five out of five for arsenal that wouldn't have happened without those three players um i also want to mention outside of the big six newcastle have improved their spine sven botman alexander isaac nick pope that's kind of a long-term build, isn't it, for them? So they'll go up to bigger names. Are we saying that names. all Premier League clubs have had amazing transfer windows? A lot have, oh, haven't they? West Ham Leicester. Yeah, except for Leicester, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think Villa have started well, but then they just didn't get that. They're desperate for a striker and they haven't done it. Also Brighton. Yes. You don't look at it now and think, oh, yeah. oh, Brighton have had a good window. But they sign players that in two or three years' time will be worth something. And that's how they're keeping this sustainability model yeah. going. Um, and they've made a couple of smart young signings. And Billy Gilmore could be the next one, I guess, if they're picking him up for nine, 10 million. If Graham Potter makes him a player over the next two or three years, he could conceivably go for a lot more than that. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, shouts in the comments for Spurs, Newcastle. Some Liverpool don't write them off, says Riyadh. Uh, obviously, you know, I think they have a few issues, but maybe they've plugged a gap with the signing of Artur. It should be completed before the transfer deadline comes in. There's a few hours left as we record this uh, of the transfer window for this summer. We can all take a little break, I guess, then. But the football doesn't stop, does it? we got a World Cup in November, all of this business. It, it just doesn't stop. We don't have a break. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you very much for listening today, everyone, uh, on the 90 Min YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't subscribed there and you're listening on an audio platform, uh, please go and subscribe. And if you're listening on YouTube now or later, please go and subscribe to Talking Transfers on a major podcast platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Jules, thank you so much for joining us thank today. Thank you so much, Guy. Uh, thank you. And it's been really good fun. And I really yeah. appreciate the chat that you bring with you. It's fantastic. You can catch Pleasure. Jules and Gavin Jules show on ESPN. Thank you very much for that. Thank Toby, you, thank you. Harry, thank you. And Grim, uh, late one for you. And, well, late one for all of us. But uh, I'm guessing that you have some calls to attend to now after you get off this podcast. But uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. It's been a wonderful time. We've been going for an hour and 10 minutes. Goodness me. Uh, the transfer window is nearly closed and uh, we'll see what happens in the next few hours. But thank you very much for listening. We'll be back very soon for some more Talking Transfers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.